This podcast is sponsored by Doc2Doc, the personal lending platform designed for doctors by doctors. Doc2Doc believes that traditional lenders overestimate the risk of lending money to doctors, focusing too much on the challenges of their financial past and giving them insufficient credit for the promise of their financial future. On the Herd podcast, our goal is educating, empowering, and engaging our listeners, including doctors, in the best ways that we can. We love what Doc2Doc is doing within our community and encourage you to visit their website at www.doctodoclending.com forward slash FPD. That's www.doc, the number two, doclending.com forward slash FPD to learn more today. A 27-year-old woman looks in the mirror and notices new acne. Ah, she thinks to herself, my period must be coming. She knows that her fibromyalgia pain is going to worsen during her period, as if periods weren't already painful enough. She has read that exercise helps reduce chronic pain. But how am I supposed to work out when I'm in such pain, she thinks? And what kind of workout? I know I can't join my friends in a heavy spin class. Does that mean working out is off limits? I don't even know how to get started. Welcome to The Hurt by Dr. Mira Kirpaker and Dr. Alopi Patel. We are the female pain docs. This is a platform to contribute to the public discourse on women's pain and general health. We are here to empower women and men to engage in the advancement of their health with discussions of evidence-based medicine, unconventional topics, lifestyle modifications, and more. The views contained in this podcast are our personal views and do not represent the views of our institutions. This does not substitute medical advice. Please be evaluated by a physician if necessary. Welcome back to season four of the Heart Podcast. So today we're going to talk about exercise and how it relates to chronic pain. Now, a lot of people think that when you're in pain, you shouldn't attempt to exercise because it's only going to make the pain worse. And while that may be true in some instances, So certainly something you should discuss with your doctor. In a majority of circumstances, that's simply a myth. Regular exercise can help reduce pain and lack of exercise can often make pain worse. So in today's episode, we're gonna go into the nuances of exercise and its effects on chronic pain, physical health, and even mental health. So let's get started. So let's actually start with some statistics. According to the World Health Organization, globally, one in four adults do not meet the recommended levels of physical activity. Worldwide, one in three women and one in four men don't do enough physical activity. In fact, up to 5 million deaths per year could be averted if the world population was more active because people who aren't active have a 20 to 30% increased risk of death compared to those who are active. They even found that 80% of the world's adolescent population 80% of children aren't as active as they should be. And sadly, there has been no improvement in global physical activity levels since 2001. And in fact, high-income countries have higher rates of physical inactivity compared to lower-income countries, which makes sense. More quote-unquote comfort, driving everywhere, working a desk job, all of these eventually lead to more sedentary behavior. So let's define what we mean by physical activity. Yes, so physical activity, by WHO definition, is any bodily movement produced by the skeletal muscles of our body that requires energy expenditure. So what that means is 
Physical activity includes anything from walking to work or moving around at work to running to biking and more. So for adults between the ages of 18 to 64, at least 150 to 300 minutes of moderate intensity aerobic activity or 75 to 150 minutes of vigorous intensity activity is recommended per week. So this activity does everything from prevent and treat coronary heart disease, heart failure, lung disease, stroke, diabetes, cancers, high blood pressure, and much more, but also has an impact on mental health with prevention of depression and anxiety and improves quality of life and well-being, improves sleep and memory, and of course, decreases pain. So for adults over 65, the recommendations are similar, but with more of a focus on balance training to prevent falls as well. Now, muscle strengthening activities are also recommended two days a week for more health benefits. Now, you may ask, what if you have a chronic health condition like high blood pressure, diabetes, you're a cancer survivor, a prior heart attack, and more? Well, interestingly, the recommendations are the same. Now, of course, you should speak to your doctor to make sure there are no contraindications for the amount or type of exercise you want to do. But in general, physical activity is absolutely recommended. That's completely true. And let's not forget the benefits in pregnant and postpartum women. Physical activity is recommended for at least 150 minutes per week in pregnant and postpartum women. And this leads to decreases in fetal and maternal health problems like gestational hypertension or diabetes, as well as too much weight gain, which can also cause fetal problems, and ultimately can also help decrease the risk of postpartum depression. So now that we've talked about some of the overall general health benefits, let's dive more specifically into pain conditions as they relate to exercise. Let's first start by talking about how exercise improves pain. What is actually happening physiologically in your body? Well, there are a lot of different mechanisms that can occur in the body, but essentially the analgesic pathways, or essentially the pain-relieving pathways in the brain are activated. Regular exercise down-regulates the pathways involved in pain sensitization. In other words, making you less sensitive to pain. And they also upregulate the opioid pathway in the brain. In other words, the pain-relieving aspect of the brain. Regular exercise has also been shown to activate serotonin release, also known as the happy hormone. So overall, this leads to an improvement in mood and also can reduce the risk of anxiety and depression. Exactly. So when you think about it, exercise in many ways can help do the job of pain medications like opioids, since the same pathways are activated, as well as help with what antidepressants such as SSRI medications, which also cause serotonin release, do. All with using your own body's natural reserve instead of relying on medications with possible side effects. Now, of course, pain is complex and medications may still be warranted, So as any one treatment such as exercise may not be the complete answer, but it's certainly a component. So with that, let's jump into some studies. So there have been many studies that have looked at a variety of exercises and whether pain improved for many different pain conditions. A big review article, a Cochrane review from 2017, looked at 381 studies with over 37,000 participants. The pain conditions they looked at included rheumatoid arthritis, osteoarthritis, fibromyalgia, low back pain, period pain, neck pain, and more. And they looked at exercises such as aerobic exercises, strengthening exercises, flexibility, range of motion exercises, core and balance training, yoga, pilates, and tai chi. So a huge range. 
And overall, they found that exercise was favorable to reducing chronic pain with no negative effects other than some muscle soreness, which went away after a few weeks of exercise. But let's get into some more studies. Right. So another review actually looked at 11 studies with 590 patients. Here, patients with musculoskeletal problems, otherwise muscle and bone pain, participated in aerobic exercises like walking or cycling with slow increases in duration of the exercise. They then observed how sensitive patients were to pain over the course of 2 to 12 weeks. They found in all 11 studies, exercise increased pain thresholds and decreased pain ratings in those with musculoskeletal pain. So in other words, exercises made patients less sensitive to pain with a higher tolerance for pain and lower pain scores, which is fantastic. Now let's talk about some studies that have looked at specific types of exercises with specific types of pain. So let's start with HIIT training for chronic pain. Now I'm sure a lot of you have seen HIIT classes offered at your gym. HIIT training, or high intensity interval training, involves short bursts of really intense activity interspersed with short periods of rest or low intensity exercises. So this improves not only cardiovascular fitness, aka your heart and lungs, but also aids with muscle strength, range of motion, and flexibility. So they looked at HIIT training in relation to some pain conditions. So for patients with fibromyalgia, like our patient in the start of the episode, studies found that HIIT training reduced pain, improved quality of sleep, decreased anxiety and depression, and overall improved quality of life. They found similar results for patients with chronic low back pain. And they even looked at cancer pain, specifically women in early stages of breast cancer receiving chemotherapy. HIIT training improved pain and fatigue in those patients. So what about Tai Chi? Interestingly, there have been several studies that looked at Tai Chi, which is also known as shadow boxing, a form of martial art. The results of 18 randomized controlled trials show that Tai Chi improved immediate relief of chronic pain from osteoarthritis and even benefits chronic lower back pain. They looked at Tai Chi to help with post-herpetic pain as well, which is pain after herpes zoster infection, as well as rheumatoid arthritis and stroke and all of these. All of these found that Tai Chi in these cases had a better effect in reducing pain than general physical therapy. So even Tai Chi may help with fibromyalgia pain. So let's talk about yoga. So interestingly, when looking at yoga and pain, participating in yoga helped change what it meant to live with chronic pain. So in other words, patients reported that while their actual pain didn't change, their pain did become less of a bother. They focused on it less and it interfered with their daily life less. It also reduced their fear of engaging in exercise because with yoga, they were able to slowly increase their movements rather than other types of exercise where they felt like they were being thrown into it. And lastly, since yoga involved a lot of stretching and gentle movements, it didn't hurt. Let's go back to those fear avoidance behaviors. So we've seen that overall so far, there is strong evidence that exercise therapy not only reduces chronic pain and disability, but also improves sleep and overall mood. And there is also low risk for any bad side effects. But yet, patients with chronic pain aren't exercising. Why is that? Well, a study in the journal Pain in 2022 looked at the barriers to exercise with patients in chronic pain. The biggest barrier was kinesophobia, a fear of movement. High levels of kinesophobia leads to lower levels of exercise and increase in pain. 
as well as an increase in disability in patients with chronic pain. And it's been shown that patients who don't know or understand how their pain works in the body and the brain have higher levels of fear-avoiding behavior. So what can we actually do about this? So for one, education. So specifically, pain neuroscience education. In some studies, patients were provided with pain neuroscience education with the goal of helping patients understand the biology and psychology behind their own pain. So what this did is help patients decrease their fear surrounding physical activity and also reduce catastrophizing. Now we talked about the negative emotion of pain catastrophizing in season two in our episode on the psychology of pain. So definitely check that out if you want more detailed information. But basically, education helped patients combat the kinesiophobia and start engaging in exercises, which led to greater improvement in pain and disability for patients with chronic musculoskeletal pain. So yes, another factor is actually underprescribing of exercise interventions in general. In other words, providers need to emphasize the benefits of exercise more so with patients. So to this end, prescribers themselves may need better training to understand the importance of prescribing exercise interventions to patients, both in terms of understanding the benefits of exercise, as well as the specific exercises that they may want patients to engage in for those particular conditions whether this is more aerobic exercise versus range of motion or any other types of exercise. All of these are important to consider when creating a treatment plan. Often the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, you have severe arthritis. Okay, don't exercise, it can make it worse. But really, this isn't the correct way to approach it. Patients may need modifications to their exercise regimen or a supervised exercise regimen with physical therapy, but eliminating exercise in general is the wrong move. Right. And there are even some home programs, rehab centers, and more that offer individually supervised sessions over a course of 8 to 12 weeks with tailored exercises, and many programs even address the psychological component to pain, which is a key as well. So some studies have shown that these types of exercise programs can also be helpful with chronic fatigue syndrome in improving both pain and fatigue. So on that, let's deviate just a little bit to talk about a type of pain that is not often discussed in terms of exercise, your period. Now, as a society, we don't really think of period pain as a chronic pain condition. But honestly, in a way, it is. And I think both Dr. P and I can relate. Period pain is experienced monthly by women for several days at a time. And that's if your period is regular. Other times, it can be more erratic and more intense. I mean, I know our audience can definitely relate to this. I myself have experienced really painful periods. And, you know, from personal experience, exercising during my period has absolutely helped my pain. Now, everyone is different, but, you know, this may be a very viable option to fight those cramps. Yes, and the data definitely supports it. Let's look at some other studies. 10 trials with over 750 women looked at exercise and menstrual cycle pain. The exercise used was either low-intensity exercise like stretching or yoga or high-intensity exercise like aerobic training or Zumba. When exercise was performed for 45 to 60 minutes three times a week, regardless of the intensity, so it doesn't matter whether this was low-intensity or high-intensity, so if exercise was performed for 45 to 60 minutes three times a week, menstrual pain was reduced in patients that exercised compared to those that did not. Studies also compared exercise versus anti-inflammatory medications like ibuprofen for the treatment of menstrual pain, and they didn't really notice a difference. 
So exercise can be used to help treat the pain during periods and can also be used in conjunction with other anti-inflammatory medications as well. Right. And all in all, what this suggests is at the very least, there is no adverse outcomes to exercising during your period. And really, it may help reduce your pain levels. So how can you increase your activity? Now, we mentioned earlier about formal exercise programs, but what if you don't have access to these kinds of programs or the time or even the need for those kinds of formal programs? How can you start increasing your own physical activity? That's a great question. So like we mentioned before, yoga may be a great option because it allows you to slowly start increasing your activity and giving you control, as well as taking away the fear of that sudden intense exercise. You can also start by replacing your mode of transportation. So walking whenever is feasible instead of driving or taking public transportation. Also taking the stairs instead of the elevator whenever you can. Maybe even using an activity tracker like a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, or even just your phone to keep track of your step count. You can also look at the ergonomics in terms of how you're sitting at work. Perhaps a standing desk may be a better option to prevent you from being completely sedentary. You can also look into some community-based programs for sports or look into groups you can join to ensure you stay active, like running groups, outdoor yoga groups, and more. There are so many different options now. Exactly. You really have to find what fits in your life. But we do encourage you to explore different exercise options, both for the numerous health benefits, but also as one of the treatments for chronic pain. Now, we know that finding treatments for pain can be really challenging, so we do hope that this episode has been informative for your journey. Thank you so much for joining us. We would love to hear your thoughts. Visit our Instagram at the female pain docs for more content. Send us an email at the female pain docs at Gmail. If you have any topics in particular, you would like us to discuss. You can also visit our website at www.thefemalepaindocs.com. See you next time.